0: Welcome to Untitled Investment Talks, the podcast about all things digital assets. Welcome to our newest episode of Untitled Investment Talks. Today, once again, I'm joined by my colleague, Carl Michael. Carl Michael. Thank you so much for being here. It's as always a joy. It's a big pleasure. And today we have a very special guest. We're talking about one of the most important but also one of the quite overlooked topics in the crypto business. We're talking about regulatory tech, about taxes and all of that with Florian Wimmer, the CEO of Blockpit. Florian, thank you so much for taking the time for us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. So, I mean,
0: we've known each other for a while now, I think a couple of years. And it's, of course, great seeing how well you guys are doing and how the field is evolving, how things are changing. I mean, as we are speaking, we have a new all-time Bitcoin high and not just uh, scrapping uh, scratching around the 20K, but like right now, the last time I looked at around 20,800 US dollars. So things are heating up. And of course, everyone needs to do their taxes, another year-end topic probably, Besides the crypto year-end rally, we also have the making sure that your taxes are taken care of for the end of the year. So you guys have been growing like crazy over the past one or two years. Just recently, you have merged with a German player, CryptoTax. So I guess a lot is going on. And maybe as I said, crypto is... Cool, right? Crypto has the narrative. Crypto is driven by interesting people. It's interesting technology. It's interesting because it's in finance. It's especially interesting because it seems to be breaking up this legacy system that seems so out of date. But then again, taxes is something we all need to do. And uh, taxes is something where we can all lose a lot of money or make sure that we don't do so. Maybe you can tell us a bit about what really brought you into that part of the industry. How did you get started in the crypto taxation niche
1: yeah definitely i mean it's it's a topic that you would not uh, expect someone to go in when uh, dealing about crypto there are a lot of more interesting aspects in the space but i think i somehow got like the premise to, to really get into this so i have a Technical background i have a diploma and in, in technical studies and then for my first job somehow got to work at kpmg one of the big uh, audit and tax advisory firms in austria i was the first job in digital marketing there so kind of had to stick to my tech part but it was a whole new world for me so f- apart from tech now suddenly economics right so tax audit advisory consultancy and i ha- really had a to look into that and became kind of interested in, in the whole aspect of economy and after 2 years working at KPMG I actually bought my first bitcoin back in 2015 and completely got hooked to the topic from an economic perspective, but also from the technical aspect, and I tried out everything that you can do from mining in cellar, grabbing the first hard forks, trading on, on every exchange that popped up, participating in the ICO hype, of course, 2017, without actually thinking about the regulatory consequences this could have, because I was just like thinking, as long as I don't cash out back in euros, it's, I don't really have to think about that, right? And then 2017, uh, the Ministry of Finance actually brought out a clearance letter on the topic of crypto taxation, which stated that every trade, even if you're just swapping one crypto to another, is a taxable event and you have to evaluate it at the moment of occurrence respective to the euro and calculate your taxes on that and that everything that you hold for more than one year is actually tax-free. And and I was shocked by this because I did everything wrong that you could imagine doing wrong at that point of stage. So selling after 11 months and, and stuff like this. And I had over 200 uh, different assets traded on 25 exchanges, all the special things that you can think of that you can do in crypto. And then I started trying to write that down in an Excel sheet and I miserably failed because it's just like, once you have over a hundred transactions, it's just impossible to do this and do it correctly. So I sat together with a few colleagues from KPMG at that time, and we basically said there has to be a solution. So we're not the only ones uh, um, who have this problem. And with my technical background and the tax advisor background from some colleagues, we then started building our own solution and got really great feedback on that. And that's when we said, okay, let's make this a business. Let's make this a company. And uh, that's when we founded Blockbit in in the end of 2017.
0: I mean i think you're bringing up something that's quite relevant for so many people in the business and i think including myself pretty much everyone can relate to these let's say olden days of the crypto space where you just traded on sex.io and poloniex and you saw some token popping up on some other exchange that KYC and aml was an afterthought back then you just signed up just to get that token and in the end you had this complete mess of uh, transaction history from so many exchanges. And I remember myself, uh, I think in 2017, for 2016, my taxes have just been sitting there for like multiple days trying to jam everything into an Excel sheet, as you just said. And in the end, I had like... 20 pages worth of calculations that I sent in a very thick envelope to my poor, poor lady at the tax authorities. That was like the only one responsible at my tax office. And I, I, she never asked for anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't 100% correct, but like I did it to the best of my ability. And I'm pretty sure she never had the time to look through all of that or the, the nerves. So yeah, but by now, of course, things have changed and things are maturing very, very rapidly. So services like yours are really, really taking, taking the edge off and um, making it easier to do things properly, which like, we obviously have to do now. I think everyone knows this. Some people are still trying to ignore the fact that there's clear guidance on how we have to do our taxes on most issues, at least. But it get, let's say it like this, even for the most Bitcoin maximalists, it's getting harder and harder to act as if they don't know how to do their taxes. And like, if they don't cash out, everything's fine. So you already mentioned now how you started uh, Blockpit and uh, when you started Blockpit with your colleagues. And maybe you can tell us a bit more about where you are at right now and what you're doing right now, what your offering is, and maybe also a bit about the merger with Cryptotex and which new things are going to come out of that.
1: Sure, definitely. Happy to do that. So we started out in 2017 providing some kind of, let's say, transaction standardization software where you can just like import your your transaction data from different exchanges, uh, from the blockchains, uh, from your uh, CSV uh, Excel sheets that you can download from different providers. And just meshing them all in one platform, standardizing it into one format, And then automatically calculating your taxes on your transactions for the different years. We started out for Austria. So Austria, our home country, of course, doing that also together with KPMG, where I had a good connection. So really like focused on this whole compliance part that you can also say this thing is calculating correctly based on the biggest tax advisor in the country. and. Well, it's just like this. This space changed so much. So many new things coming up. Exchanges closing. New exchanges opening. Now we have this whole DeFi topic, which is completely new. So it's it's just like adapting, adapting, adapting the software at at, at that stage over the la- over the last uh, three years. Uh, finding out user feedback. Relaunching everything keeping it always on the latest stage of regulation because regulation now is also changing. There's more and more decisions, court decisions actually coming out that change how things are seen or used to be when it comes to these special cases. And then we started adding further countries. So right now we have actually reports for every country in the world where you can just set your own parameters. And for four countries, it's just the DAC region, so Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and also the US, we have this automated KPMG approved uh, report where you just like said, I'm a private person or I'm a corporate and I'm taxable in this country and everything else is is done automatically after the correct law. So you don't really have to set anything. You can trust the software to do it correctly. This is something that we want to do for many more countries. So adding one new country legislative per quarter, UK is going to be next. And then we also... Got a little bit into the whole, well, tax is just one aspect, but actually we are a tech, we are a compliance firm, right? So AML is also a topic. When we were already doing transaction analysis, why not just do AML also? So we started this year... Actually, developing AML KYT software so know your transaction, bringing you proof of origin, which can be a hustle when when you know depositing some coins somewhere or cashing out on your on your bank account again after making some profit, and the bank freezes it and stuff like this. So also providing this. So we we really just like we stayed in the crypto business, but we made two different compliance products. And at the beginning of the year, Klaus Himmer, uh, the CEO of Cryptotex, our biggest competitor in Europe at that time, sitting in, in Germany, actually wrote me when the whole COVID stuff broke out that we maybe should have some synergy talks. And of course, we, we were monitoring them actively, but then actually talking to him, uh, we found out that they also like, made new products, made it more uh, into the vertical part of Texas. So they did not go into AML stuff. They switched away from crypto to also other tax products like, for example, capital gains tax tool, which is uh, pretty neat for tokenization platforms, crowdfunding and stuff where you have uh, multiple investors, like thousands of investors, and you actually have to give them a tax reporting when you do a dividend payout. So they really... Did more products in that direction and this whole uh, topic of crypto taxation for the user where we both started out at approximately the same time was actually just overlapping uh, a little bit but we had uh, a lot of things that we could basically combine and they were very focused on the backend stuff, like make this compliant. They were tax advisors, actually crypto tech uh, guys, which came from this side. While we were more the tech guys. We were like, this has to be a usability. It has to be high. It has to be automated APIs, mobile first, right. And they were just like the tax report has to uh, set to the standards and, and stuff like working together with the financial authorities in different countries. Uh, so they were making the backend side and we were making the front end side and they're like, well, we could actually combine this to a, to a really, really, really uh, first-class product. And Well, then we got into negotiations and in the end, uh, Blockpit acquired Cryptotex. So legally speaking, we bought the company. So we are now 100% shareholder of the German company and are now in the final phases of uh, basically... Migration of the software, so bringing those two products together, bringing everything under one roof, under under one new brand. The brand is gonna stay block bit but tax is basically one of our products. Then we have uh, the capital gains tax tool, we have the KYT, we have uh, a tax agent, which is the software for tax advisors actually to manage multiple users. And yeah, you can be, be excited. We're gonna do a, a brand relaunch in January next year, where really then both of these companies are now represented under under one brand and. Cryptotech is going to be blocked by Germany. So yeah, went pretty smoothly, the integration, the merger, and really happy that we can now provide a big European player in the space of digital asset tech.
2: Congratulations, first of all, this is really a big achievement and and sounds very, very promising for the future, especially what your clients can get from you. It's very uh, holistic, comprehensive offering. Let's go to the core topic of our talk today, which is the crypto taxation part. You already mentioned that this is a kind of very complex field, but let's open the plane a little bit. I mean, if you're a retail investor, you could say, okay, how is my Bitcoin taxed, right? This is a capital gain tax, fine. Doesn't seem to be a very complicated thing, one would think, maybe. But the field of crypto taxation, as you already mentioned, is way larger, right? More complex, because it's not only uh, individuals, but it's also institutions who get taxed and where other tax regimes uh, apply. We have crypto funds, we have exchanges, we have wallet providers, we have custodians in the future, we have banks, where taxation doesn't follow exactly the same rules as in the, let's say, individual or retail space. And then what we also see is that non-crypto businesses are entering the space. So uh, many of our listeners might have heard about MicroStrategy, a public-listed company in the U.S., bought, meanwhile, for over 500 million U.S. dollars, uh, Bitcoin. But these are not kind of crypto-native companies. They also buy into crypto, use crypto or Bitcoins to hold cash reserves. So new players are coming in. Taxation varies from country to country, and uh, how we see it, that even in the EU, the regulatory tax regime is, is still quite heterogeneous. We can easily add new items to this list, why crypto to FIAT, crypto to crypto is treated differently in some countries. If you use cryptocurrencies to pay for goods and services, would value added tax supply, etc. So huge, complex field. Next to all the complexities you already mentioned with the different exchanges. But I would like to bring the question, first of all, to a 10,000 meter level and ask you from a very high level perspective, what makes crypto taxation uh, so unique? What are the challenges here?
1: Well, there are a few. I mean, you just said like it's capital gains, right? Actually, it's not capital gains, uh, at least in, in Austria and, and Germany. That's one point, right? It's income tax uh, when you go and say it's Bitcoin. But what what really, really makes it so complex it, is that it's just like there are so many new possibilities on a technological level with these blockchain-based assets or decentralized technology-based assets that you just couldn't do with uh, the classical instruments. So you don't need a bank account anymore. You don't need a depot at your bank to actually access those things. You can actually, you have the wallet on your phone. So you're your own bank now. And you don't have to cash back out in fiat at all if you don't want to, right? There are now debit cards. You could you could actually just like buy Bitcoin, trade the Bitcoin, and pay with your Bitcoin. You don't really have to go back into Fiat. And this is something that's never been there before. So I can really buy my Bitcoin or, or whatever other coin at an exchange and then directly send it to another exchange or payment provider or wallet uh, without actually selling it at the same exchange where I bought it from. So now I have a lot of data that is not transmitted via the blockchain. So the new exchange gets my coin, but they don't know where did I buy it, when did I buy it and what was the price where I bought it. So they cannot calculate your profit once you sell it on the exchange because they are missing those data. And that is something that was never before here because Debo Bank, right? They actually withhold your tax for you. It's, it's really convenient in, in Austria, Germany. It's like a fixed tax rate of 25 or 27.5%. Uh, uh, and when you sell your asset, your, your share, your stock, whatever, at the bank uh, with a the profit, they just detect the tax and you don't have to care about it. But now with crypto, where you are your own bank, uh, you don't have the service anymore. And you actually have to somehow get this data of acquisition cost acquisition date and stuff connected over all your different depots that you're having. And it's pretty easy to set one up. Uh, it was even easier in 2017. Uh, Simon said that it. it's like, you didn't even have to KYC back then. So it's just like setting up uh, 10 exchange accounts a day, no problem. And then switching that uh, from there to there, then some got hacked, even shut down. So you don't have access anymore to the data. So it's just like, this this regulatory wild west that happened back then. It's really really crazy to get that data back. But we are still, you know, early adopters. So we all have some have some kind of affinity for tech. You started out with Excel, right? But if we really want to get the masses in, we need this to be automated, convenient. Well, not everybody is a tax advisor or attorney. I mean, not everybody has this technical background to actually get the data. So this needs to be automated some kind of and then I come back to the point that I started out with. So capital gains tax or income tax, it, it actually depends on the asset. So all, all that we see is like, this thing is called Bitcoin. This thing is called Ethereum, Dash. But what act- what's actually behind it? What What is the financial instrument that's behind it? And once we go into, let's say, security tokens, which is becoming a, a more and more active topic now that all those traditional players are getting in. Then it's actually capital gains tax. So depending on what's the value behind the token, it's diff- taxed differently. It's a global world. We have no borders anymore, but we still are subject to the local regulation. So And this is different everywhere. And that's the problem. So we have no standardization there and we probably will never have. And it's easier than ever to just switch country, right? If your regulation is not very attractive and you're doing a lot in crypto, then just move to another country. A lot of people did that back in 2017. So it's actually like in the interest of the regulator to make it somewhat attractive, but we're just getting there. So it's, it's complex. It takes a lot of time to actually adjust laws, which is necessary to regulate this in a more convenient way. And, and this is just like something that has to come from the very top, like EU regulation that countries have to adapt and stuff like this. So what's really like this, this big challenge behind it is that this is just like something new technological that we haven't experienced before and that we somehow have to adapt to the regulation that we have or actually adapt the regulation itself.
2: Okay. You're right with regards to the capital gain tax. Obviously there is a taxation on gains of disposal of digital assets and there is a VAT tax on exchange of of crypto assets. Let's get very specific here for one moment. So from 10,000 meters to the ground, let's take Bitcoin as an example. And let's stay within Germany and Austria. Bitcoin is considered definitely as a payment token in both of these uh, jurisdictions, can you tell us what kind of taxation guidelines apply here and where the difference is between an individual investor and how a company or corporation is treated?
1: Yeah, sure. So actually Austria-Germany is, is very, very similar. It's like 99% of regulation is the same. So we can just I can just probably speak for both on that behalf. So one thing that I already mentioned is like this one-year holding period. So With Bitcoin, we are in the so-called speculative assets, like the real gold. And there is uh, this very attractive tax regulation that if you don't really touch the thing or if you don't sell it or or swap it or trade it for one year as a private individual, so only a private individual can do this, then it's tax-free, completely tax-free. It doesn't matter if if it's billions or if it's just like a few euros. But if you do actually trade it or, or, or sell it within one year, then it's subject to income tax. And income tax is is pretty high in Austria-Germany, so it's it's progressive. It's from zero to up to 55%, depending on how much income you actually make in a year. And you actually have to add the normal income that you're doing as well. So if you have a job and you're making 50K a year, you're already in a very high tax class and everything that you do crypto on top is also taxed with this high uh, high percentage of income tax. So actually you can think about moving your crypto activity Intercompany or intercorporation, which could make sense because intercorporations, especially if you you know you don't care about this one year period because you are a heavy trader or you're doing a lot of trading and you don't hold very long, then then it makes actually sense to. Bring it into corporation because then you are flat taxed at 25% of of, of corporate tax. So everything that you have in the corporation, it doesn't matter if it's crypto trading, if it's just other income, if it's spending, right? You can just calculate this all in one tax setup. You also don't have the differences between security tokens, payment tokens, different taxes. It's all corporate tax, 25% flat at the end of it so this is really like if you're having a lot of complex stuff that's going on and you're doing very actively trading then it would make sense to move that activity into cooperation or actually split it up you know like part of it that you're planning to hold longer do it privately and if you're doing trade day trading or stuff then do it in the cooperation. that's personally what i'm doing so i set up a, a one man limited just from a crypto act- trading activity and then put some costs like you know a car a laptop smartphone and everything in there to really like tax optimize in that way but of course like zero percent tax is is pretty attractive so maybe think about holding there and one topic which actually is uh, the biggest difference between austria and germany is the carrying over of losses or gains over multiple tax years so tax year is from 1st of january to uh, 31st of december and like after this day, the taxi is over and anything that you do after that, you can't, can't actually change anything anymore. And in Austria, this is really, really strict. So if I'm making a lot of gains, let's say in 2020 now, I bought Bitcoin at, at 4,000 in March. Now it's at 20,000, made 4X, 5X. So, but there's this other coin that I think has a lot more potential. So I'm swapping my Bitcoin into, I don't know, an, any coin. And I'm realizing my gains and I'm taxable for that in, in for this year. Uh, And then next year, this coin just like totally dumps and I'm losing 90%. And then I'm realizing those losses, I can't actually, you know, deduct it from the taxable gains from last year. So I still have to pay taxes, even though I don't have the money anymore. In Germany, you actually can carry uh, those losses and gains forward for one year, but you can't do it in Austria as a private person. But in a company, you can carry those forward as long as you want. So this is also something that speaks for doing it in in, in a company uh, setup, but there's actually like pros and cons and everything. And probably the the best idea is to really split it up and doing some things privately, doing some things in a corporation, if you have it.
2: I think that's great advice. I never thought about it, but now I will think about it. You already mentioned I mean, a slight differences between Germany and Austria, although this is quite, I uh, would say, harmonized. If we look into other European countries, is there any country where you st- uh, say that would stand out? I I heard about France that they, I don't know whether it's still the case, they treated crypto to crypto, transactions different from crypto to fire transaction. Is this something which you would say stands out or, or anything else in the EU?
1: Really attractive is definitely Portugal, right? Portugal is tax-free on crypto, crypto for private individuals. So you're just like 0% tax on anything that you do as a private person. Um, That's why so I always wanted to have a holiday home in Portugal. Now I
2: know. Well,
1: think about moving there. Like if you're doing a lot of crypto, it really might pay off. And you mentioned France. Yeah, it's, it's like in France, you don't tax crypto to crypto. So you really only tax like getting back into euro. Which is a little bit harder to track, actually, because you always have to, you know, percentage-wise calculate it on your total pay-in of FIAT uh, once you actually send anything. And you have a flat rate of 19% uh, on crypto in, in, in France. I think flat tax is something that should come. I think that in Austria and Germany, it should be the capital gains tax uh, for all crypto, no income tax, just give me this fixed tax event because it's just like, it's so outdated, this, this whole speculative uh, regulation. So just put it all into financial instruments and be done with it. This would be some easy fix that makes it a lot less complicated. But then we also have uh, now not in the EU anymore, but uh, UK is kind of interesting. They are doing average cost. So it's like if you buy one Bitcoin for thousand and another one for 2000, then your average buy-in is from 1500. Uh, and once you sell it, it it's not like in Austria Germany where you calculate first in first out. So once you sell a Bitcoin, it's the oldest one that you bought and you take that acquisition cost and calculate your gains. but it's actually average cost pricing, which makes sense and you think would think it's simple. But what they actually do, and they call it a bed and breakfast rule, is that this actually transitions into future as well. So if you sell a coin now, and then within 30 days, you actually buy this coin again, then it, in in the aftermath, changes your tax for this thing that you uh, sold 30 days earlier, which can become very complex when you have this crossing over of tax years. So I don't know why they did it, but but it makes it really complicated now as well to... To calculate that manually so you definitely need need some algorithm for that as well and those are kind of the three big let's say standards for crypto taxation everything else is kind of a slight variation of those so that the german austrian one where you have first in first out uh, and this stuff uh, and the holding period of of a year in the us you have also a holding period but it's not tax free after a year it's actually tax reduced then you have this crypto to crypto is not taxed at all and then you have this average cost pricing and everything else is just a variation. And of course, you have, you have no taxes as well, if you count that as well. But those are the standards that are pretty, practically lived. All over the world haven't had anything more exotic that I experienced yet. Maybe in Asia. I don't know. We didn't look that much into Asia yet.
0: No, I mean, that's very interesting, of course. That's overall, it's you kind of see a limited amount of different treatments and they all kind of make sense within their jurisdiction. Now, you mentioned again the one-year holding period in Germany, Austria, where it's uh, tax-free, otherwise it's income tax. Of course, this reminds me a lot of the art trade, um, which I often use as an analogy, where most of the entire arts industry exists because, um, well, things are tax-free after one year, and you can play around a lot with your money in singular objects that can hold a lot of value that can be kind of easily transported and sold again and of course here we get back to Bitcoin as a store of value where it's very easy to transport 1 billion US dollars worth of Bitcoin where it's incredibly difficult to transfer and transport 1 billion US dollars in let's say gold I mean try taking 1 billion USD worth of gold across an international airport for example in in your suitcase good luck and of course, this is possible with Bitcoin. Now, there's, of course, as you said, very different treatments of tokens, of crypto, depending on the financial paper behind it, uh, the security behind it and how it's treated, where Bitcoin and Ethereum are on the one hand side. And on the other hand side, you already mentioned that security tokens are becoming more and more of a thing. Like uh, your company, you guys yourself issued a security token uh, for one of your capital raising arounds. And those are of course treated completely different from Bitcoin. Can you maybe get a bit deeper into um, these differences in general and also maybe where it gets a bit more complicated, as you mentioned, where those tokens can security tokens can pay out dividend in Ethereum that then, for example, is automatically staked. Where are we getting into the really complicated but also innovative area?
1: Yeah, so in general, it's categorized like in most countries in three kinds of of tokens or coins. It's the payment coins that you already mentioned. Then there's the utility coin, which is something like, for example, the Binance token or the the best token of Bitpanda, where you just like can say it's it's kind of a voucher for an ecosystem. And then there's the securities and payment and utilities actually regulated the same in the speculative gains. And and securities is regulated in 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 capital markets law. And right now. In this simple, simple, simple classical ways of just like tokenizing an asset that we know, it's not that hard to classify it and tax it. But there's going to come things that are getting really innovative and crazy. And it takes a, t- a little bit of time because you need the regulators to understand it, to actually admit it. But as you said, we started out with a revenue participation token. So it's just like we're making revenue, 10% of the revenue goes to our token holders once you have the annual report of this year. And we pay it out in Ethereum. So it's just like everything is locked for one day uh, in the year. And then you get your Ethereum on the wallet that the tokens are lying on. It's it's automated, by a smart contract. It's really... It's convenient for both us and the investors. But it was a hard process to actually get it approved by the Financial Markets Authority because they just didn't know what's going on. But we still made it because it reassembled something that they knew, which is just this classical mezzanine capital participation, right? But I actually had a talk with a guy, a friend of mine, who, who is, is running a pasta business. So he is producing pasta. And he has a lot of users, right? And he was like, ah, I don't want to fundraise the, the classical way. He's also kind of the crypto. And he was like, I would like to set up a token where basically all of my, my customers will get the, the possibility to invest in the token, get a profit share on the company, maybe even get free tokens as a bonus when they buy something. And then I want them to to be able to pay with that token for my goods and services and get a discount when they don't pay in euro, but pay like, let's say the token for the pasta, they get 10% discount. And so I'm gradually buying back my equity, right? With my product, uh, which is genius because you're binding your customers to your label because they're kind of profiting once it it runs well. So they're going to buy at your place because they're kind of bound uh, as an affiliate and you raise money and you don't have to pay back like let's say like a loan or something, but you can gradually buy it back by just providing a goods and services where you of course have a margin on it. So it's cheaper than just buying it back in euros. And this is genius, but it's not possible, right? You can't accept payment in a security pay- uh, token in that way yet. I'm pretty sure this will be a thing in the next years. And it is just the beginning. So you, c- you can't imagine anything that that's actually somehow imaginable, right? To just put it into code, put it in a smart contract, and you can do it. And then you have to take a look at the law, take a look at regulation, and pick out those things that actually apply to it. And then you probably have to run a few rounds with the financial regulators and make it happen. So this is completely revolutionizing the whole financial industry. And it's, it's, it's going to show us some really innovative and fun ways of, of fundraising and also investment possibilities for everyone as, as a user or investor, right? So everyday person can just buy buy uh, some share of whatever they like, right? If I like pasta, then I'm buying the pasta share. Why not? It's, it's something that I'm standing behind, right? And I just can't buy it for 10 euros. So this denomination of, of values or anything, that's, that's going to be a thing, definitely.
0: I mean, as you explain it like that, it of course makes absolute sense, right? I think it's very important to take ourselves out of what we know and what we, th- what we think about as normal, just look at things how they would be an optimal case if we didn't have the sunken cost fallacy of we already have a financial industry, we have security regulation. But maybe if we look at how things could be, nowadays, we would not build it again the same way as you mentioned. Like Of course, it makes absolute sense that the local baker or the local hair salon raises money from the people in the vicinity. Then that they again profit from both parties because they have very close relationships as customer and service provider. That of course, as you said, is genius and makes one hundred percent sense. One of my businesses also had a, a similar problem where it's a it's a trading business and we simply needed to buy more products than the traditional bank would allow us to like buy every single day. We were not able to spend enough of our own money through their accounts because of their internal regulations. So how does that make sense? That just because I cannot pay in cash where I would be able to spend all of my money, obviously, I'm not able to pay for the goods I need simply because, again, banking systems are not able to deal with this. So, yeah, I think great that you explained that also and took that as an example. Now, as the last question for this episode, we have, as always, prepared the golden question, which is mostly about your opinion on something that I think us and most of our listeners will want to hear and will want to know your opinion on. So for this one, when do you think is going to be the year of the big breakthrough in crypto regulatory tech? And when do you think we're going to get to the point of proper clarity, for example, for businesses like the one you mentioned um, with the pasta maker. When do you think that will happen? And where do you think Blockpit will be positioned at that point? And how big do you think Blockpit will be at that point?
1: <laughs> Good question. I understand why it's going to go with question. That's really hard. I mean, I always missed my projections when it comes to regulation. I always think it's going to happen sooner than it actually does. I'm going to be conservative here. I think we're going to see a little breakthrough next year. Just because we are now at the point of institutions going in, I think they're going to be the first ETF and the stuff is going to come. There's the, the Mika regulation, which is the MIFID for digital assets, which is supposed uh, to come out uh, EU-wide next year. So this is going to be a big one, but it's not going to enable us things like the pasta token. So we are not there yet. I think to really have these some people call it the purple securities, This this new asset class we're gonna need three to five years, so probably ar- around twenty, twenty four, twenty twenty five, where we're really gonna have, see completely new financial instruments in, in that perspective. And, and what we definitely need for this to function is a third market. So we have a lot of exchanges. We have now what I think is absolutely awesome, but the DeFi liquidity pools, which just give you a, like. Unlimited liquidity, everybody can become a liquidity provider, but it's only for payment and utility tokens because you can't do it for the security tokens because for your security tokens, you need KYC, you need a centralized emitter, right? So we don't have a third market and no liquidity on security tokens yet. This is why those new assets are actually not yet Booming as as we would expect them to be, because right now you would buy, have to buy them and hold them, right? You have no way to to sell them. I mean, you can do OTC trades, but it's it's still hard to to find buyer and seller. But once we have this third market and like versus Stuttgart or also Bitpanda, they're they're on the way there. It's just like they need certain licenses or they actually need changes in laws so or for Germany, for example, it's, there's there's still this Wertpapiergesetz, which is the sort of securities paper law, right? And there's this word paper in there and they actually want to change it to Rechtsgesetz, which is just like value law, right? And once this is done, then you don't need the paper anymore and you can actually say uh, a token as security is a real security and you can make a third market for it. But as long as you're not there, uh, this whole thing is not going to go crazy and going to boom. And once it's there, I think it will. we will see a, a rapid, rapid movement, like a frame of a year where where you're going to see less and less traditional fundraising. Uh, you're going to see less and less uh, classical IPOs and more and more of those IPOs like listing uh, via token and exchange because it's just like so much more cost efficient than what you have right now. So this is, this is going to be a big breakthrough that we're probably not going to see next year. I think for this, we're going to still need two years. So next year, ETFs, stuff like this, it's going to help us a lot in mass adoption. But for the really crazy stuff uh, to happen, probably four to five years. Where are we going to stand? right? You asked that. Yeah, so our, our mission definitely is to bring a standard for this whole reporting stuff to the financial markets uh, of the future, as we, we like to call it. So this this whole new, let's say, Core banking system back end of financial institution providers like custodianships, payment providers, exchanges, brokerages. Everybody needs to have some kind of compliance software in the back end. And and we, of course, plan to, to be the standard to use, right? So we want to get integrated, partner up with those big players, and, and reach their users indirectly through them. We're offering a lot of API solutions right now as well, so, so that the, the, the block pit. The, the crypto techs platform for the end user is just our front end product, but actually the bigger future is is going to lie in API service providers for those financial service providers. So we want to be integrated. Once the mess has come, then the crypto tech solution has to be standard. Right now it's a nice to have for many players. It's a USP, but it's, it's not even like regulatory necessary. But just like the EML law that came in the beginning of this year, which makes it legally mandatory to have a solution in there. There's going kind to of, come something similar in the next one or two years for techs as well, where those, those service providers have to offer some kind of solution. And and we want to be the first choice. We want to be the, the, the market-dominant player in there. We want to be the, the... No questions asked. If you need a software, you're going to integrate Blockbit. And then we are there when the, the big masses come and the, the solution is going to be ready. Now,
0: that's a quite pragmatic answer, I think. absolutely makes sense. And Of course, I wish you all the best as I've done in the past. Uh, So for listeners, uh, maybe I should uh, say once again at the very end, of course, nothing you hear here is uh, tax advice. Um, Make your own uh, decisions. Inform yourself uh, with professionals in your local jurisdiction. Nothing here is, as always, investment advice. Thank you so much for the exciting interview and uh, giving us an insight into uh, one of the most promising future parts of the crypto industry, the regulatory tech space. And thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been really great talking about this and I'm always happy to give a little insight into uh, what we found out over the last years.
0: Great. So uh, to our viewers, stay tuned. Uh, This is part one of a two-part series uh, with Florian and Blockpit. In our second uh, episode, we're going to dive deeper into the DeFi space, into the more exotic products, into the tax treatment of new things like perpetual futures and options. So stay tuned and we're looking forward to bringing you the hottest news in blockchain once again next week.